0: Welcome to the Just Trek Podcast where elevation is our recreation. This is your host Justin Just Rock Ramon coming to you from Los Angeles. On this show, you will hear stories and adventures from badass hikers, local explorers, to even dancers and artists. Join the Just Trek crew on our journey to True North. You can follow us on Instagram at Just.trek, facebook.com slash Official, and our website justtrek.net. Just Trek Crew, what it do? This is your host, Just Rock, and on this episode, my special guest goes by the name Mark Feichel. He is an LA-based runner, explorer, peak bagger, DJ, and musician, and as a lifestyle, culture, and brand marketer. On today's episode, we talk about his experience running with the boxing legend Manny Pacquiao, summiting LA's toughest mountains, tips for running and hiking, and completing the LA Marathon three times. Mark played a major part of my beginning peak bagging journey, as we did Mount Baldy, Strawberry Peak the Mountaineers Route, and Iron Mountain together. Mark is a renaissance man who continues to inspire, motivate, and elevate those around him while living life to the fullest. Here's a conversation I hope you enjoy. What is going on, everybody? We got the Mark Man, the Shark Man, and Manny Pacquiao Jr. Ba ba bop! Bob,
1: Bob, Bob, you got to explain to your entire audience what that they have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I think
0: we're all crazy. Well, first off, welcome to the
1: podcast, Mark Feichel. Thank you. Uh, extremely excited and stoked to be part of Just Trek Radio. Just is it called Just Trek Radio? Because if it isn't, it should. Because that's it, That sounds cool.
0: I like the ring of that. I mean, maybe we'll just have to rebrand it as such. Do it.
1: Yeah, you like that intro though. Intro was great. One of the best intros I've ever had. You've captured my essence.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I had to add some extra sauce to that. So everybody, if you're super uh, confused about why I made that noise, it's just it's just something that Manny Pacquiao does <laughs> when he's boxing. So it's just a ridiculous sound. So it's just like an inside joke. Inside joke, which will have some pertinence, I think, to this episode. Oh, absolutely. We'll definitely be getting into um, some really uh, awesome people in the show for sure. All right. Uh, But I first wanted to say, man, like, I'm just super excited to have you on the show. You were a major part of my uh, beginning peak bagging journey on these crazy and intense mountains back in, like, 2017. I didn't really know anyone at the time who would be interested in these, like, long, strenuous day hikes. But I had a feeling that you would uh, be up to the challenge since you love, like, pushing yourself and always taking things to the next level. And you're just an overall badass. So I just wanted to say that first
1: yeah i mean it was uh it was a crazy time we really didn't know what we were doing or getting ourselves into and i feel like we've definitely made a lot of progress since then um but i'm glad i was able to be part of the formative the formative just trek uh you know formative years and formative times um to take it into what it what it is now so yeah jump on in let's get it
0: Oh, let's just get right into it man like how are you my brother like but more specifically Like, how have you been adjusting to life during the COVID-19 pandemic and all the social unrest that's been happening? I mean, it's a big question. Uh, We're adjusting
1: however we can. You know, everyone has to do the part and everyone's doing whatever they can, or, you know, we hope that everyone's doing what they can. So how am I adjusting? Just kind of exactly that, doing our part and trying to sort of pivot and move wherever possible. And, you know, um, the COVID thing, uh, to quote the great Cardi B, shit is real. <laughs> shit oh is really God. real. And, um, you know, I think that it's going to be a really interesting defining moment for our generation and cohort. You know, I think about our grandparents, great grandparents, they lived through certain times and uh, great depression. Oh, that, that my great grandpa was part of the great depression. I think looking forward, I think there's probably going to be a time where people say, you know, that my, my parent, my dad, my brother, they were, you know, they were the COVID generation, and it's uh, it's strange. Everything's just so weird right now. And in terms of the social unrest, get it, We're getting the fuck out there and doing what we got to do, and share your voice. You know, we uh, there's a lot of fucked up things going on out in the country, and um, we have to do what we can to say that that's not right.
0: Yeah, man, we're living through a crazy moment in history right now like we're living through it like i didn't, i never thought that would be we'd be in a pandemic during like you know like civil unrest and now even what's going on right now in california it's crazy there's insane wildfires there's a heat wave like there's a lot of shit going on man like it's a big like melting pot of craziness yeah what a time to be alive and what a time for anyone's ac
1: to go out so i hope that doesn't happen to you
0: oh god um I'm curious Mark like during all this uh what's been happening have you been turning to anything for like a sense of comfort or a sense of normalcy whether that's you like you know doing a physical activity or getting back into an old hobby or like developing a new hobby like I'm really curious like are you turning any are you turning to anything for a sense of comfort
1: Yeah I mean I think a lot of the old things um that have been a staple in my life exercise outdoors running, physical activity, music has always been part of the fabric of my life. So I think, um, you know, listening to old tracks, discovering new tracks, discovering new artists, meditation, another big one, um, fostering dogs. You know, the house I live at, is, that we've fostered two dogs, found two really cool homes for them. But I think it's a really interesting time in that, you know, everyone kind of expects, there's this expectation that, you have to come out of a pandemic with some newfound epiphany or newfound passion or whatever it is. Well, newsflash is it's not over yet. And I think that everyone's sort of expecting 110% of yourself, the best version of yourself. You know, our cohort really sort of um, prides themselves on how, you know, you're judged on what you can deliver a lot of times. But, you know, I think it's okay to just not or to take a step back and really kind of embrace just being alive. You know, KCRW does this really interesting thing here in LA, uh, Gar Trinidad, awesome DJ, he does these like moments of serenity where it's literally just like, take three deep breaths, stretch your arms. And it's funny that, you know, they really embraced or had kind of put that at the forefront of 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 what's happening during these times because they kinda help. And it's funny coming from a DJ, but you know, those kind of short breaks really, really help. So to answer your question, yeah. Um, exercise, physical activity, music, and um Hanging
0: out with animals. (laughs) You said so many things that I just want to comment on real quick. Like, first off, everybody who's listening, Mark Feichel or Shark Feichel, however you know him, is one badass, incredible DJ. He spins open format, house music, everything. Like, I'm really proud of him. Like, it's really awesome to have, like, to have friends who are so musically inclined. And he's also just a musician. He plays the drums and everything. So um, I knew that you had a few outlets that you could possibly turn to, you know, during this time. And also you fostering those dogs. I thought that was a really smart idea, you know, like what, what else would bring more comfort than like an amazing dog, right? Especially that husky that was like running around your house.
1: Yeah, I think really right now it's kind of a time for everyone to reflect and think about
0: what you love, why you love it, and do it. So I want to get into your personal story right now, Mark. Like I first knew you as a runner, right? Like, how did you first get into running and then hiking? And when did the journey for each start for you? Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and start and
1: say, you know, for all the runners and even non-runners out there, I love running today, but it wasn't always like that. Matter of fact, I used to hate running. I was like, why would you want to run? It's bad for your knees, it's healthy. And this shit is not fun, you know? But I think a lot of times it's really about a lot of people expect, okay, I'm going to run. I'm supposed to run perhaps maybe fast, do a number of miles. And I was comparing, you know, where I perhaps should be. When really, you know, that that doesn't happen overnight. And an interesting thing kind of happened um, in my running journey, if you will. Um, I, was, I was pretty physically active. Was into a whole bunch of different sports. Played basketball growing up. You know, got into boxing um, because you and I both loved and shared our passion for um, a short little Filipino man named Manny Pacquiao. Um, and that's kind of where the journey started because during the time I was living off of Melrose and Highland, sort of the Melrose area here in Los Angeles. And I had seen these videos online of this guy, Manny Pacquiao Training. And I was looking at some of these videos and I said, hey, that looks like Pan Pacific Park next to the Grove where I work out at. And that looks like Griffith Park where I run out all the time. And it looks like this guy's there a whole, a whole lot. And so, and I would see videos of people just running with, like, normal people just running with them, and I was like, "Whoa, I wonder if I can run with them. That would be cool." Like, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. So one morning, I'm running my routes, and I see a crowd of about 150 people, 200 people, at around seven in the morning at Pan Pacific Park, right next to the Grove, and I'm like, "Hmm, I wonder if you know Manny's working working out here." And sure enough. He was there with around hundreds of people taking pictures, asking for autographs. And this was right before the Floyd Mayweather fight in 2015.
0: Oh, that was a crazy atmosphere surrounding that. It was a crazy fight, right? It was a big
1: fight. You can go on and on about it. We can go on and on about how much that fight sucked.
0: But depressing. I'm still
1: depressed. Sure. But the lead up to it was incredible. And, you know, I kind of met his team and it was like, what's the deal? Do you have to sign up? Do you have to get vetted? Like, who can run with them? And they're just like, you know, look, if you can keep up, you don't get in his way. And I mean, those are pretty much the two rules. If you, you know, meet us on time, you don't get in his way, you can keep up, you can run, but just don't break those two rules. And that was kind of the beginning of kind of where I kind of detar- start take, I started to take running seriously because I, run and I wanted to run with Manny Pacquiao. So the next day, here we are. It Griffith was the Park. next day already? The next day. Yeah, the next day. They're like, meet us at Griffith Park on Ferndale. And those of you familiar with the Los Angeles area, um, Trails Cafe. So if you go up Los Feliz and go up um, the, the Ferndale way, which is the backside of Griffith Park, we were meeting there. It's like five in the morning and nobody's there. And it's just pitch dark. So I'm like, okay, like this dude played me. This is not really happening. And within about 15 minutes, I was surrounded by around by about 40 cars. So he he rolls in, pitch dark, and he does a few warm ups and he starts running. You start at the very bottom of Griffith Park, and you're essentially running all the way up. And it was an incredible experience to run with Manny Pacquiao because you notice a few things. Number one, you notice how short this dude is. I'm not very tall. You're not very tall. We're about 5'5", 5'6", 5'6 maybe. <laughs> and this dude is maybe 5'6 and a 5'7". And when you start running with him and it's just quiet and you hear everyone breathe together. So I was kind of running behind him because last thing you want to do when you're running with Manny Pacquiao is get in his way or trip him. Or something. You, could you imagine? He's training for the Mayweather fight. You're running with Manny Pacquiao. You trip him and he falls. And he's sprains something.
0: He'd oh, you're going to get beat up and like thrown into prison or something. So I was pretty nervous. I'm
1: not going to lie. I was pretty nervous. But the experience was crazy because, you know, I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, I'm running with Manny Pacquiao up Griffith Park, an area that I've ran up many, many times. It's pitch dark. And the thing I remember most about running with Pacquiao was the sound of cameras because you're running all the way at the bottom. It's about a thousand plus feet of energy gain of energy gain. Uh, excuse me. Elevation gain. Energy
0: gain. I was like, that's a new term.
1: <laughs> elevation energy gain. And when you run with Pacquiao, all you see our cameras just flash because you're running in the pitch dark because it's that early in the morning all you hear is click 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 coming from all different directions and it's from from the beginning to the end and he just takes little breaks here and there and the first thing you notice also too is are his calves he's got these calves you have big calves but his calves are like look like goddamn sequoia trees they are uh, they're ready to pop out of their skin. And that's a lot, where, where, where his, I think, power comes from. And he just runs up the hill. And the crazy thing about when he runs too, he doesn't look like he's running very fast. And it's really, it's like this weird optical illusion when Pacquiao runs. It doesn't look like he's running fast. But you have guys who, you know, at the time I'd never run a marathon. These marathon runners, you know, that I spoke to were just like, he runs different. He uses his entire body. And when he runs up the hill. Doesn't look like he's going fast. But you are chasing this guy. And it's funny because, you know, one one specific instance I remember running with Manny. He's a really smiley guy. He's very happy. You know, English isn't great. Easy to make fun of until he gets in the ring. But he muttered something under his breath. And Pacquiao said, you know, as we were going up the steepest part, he said in Tagalog, in Filipino, he he was like, Iwan and Mokita, which is kind of like, yo, I'm going to leave you guys. <laughs> like, kind of like try and catch me up this mountain. And he kind of muttered that to all of us running with him. And this dude took fucking off. He took off. And we were all trying to catch him. And we couldn't catch him. The only one who could catch him was his dog. He has a mini, like, Jack Russell Terrier named Pac-Man. And his he runs dog, by his side. Of course. And um, and it was an incredible experience. And since then, I've trained with him and ran those heels and his routes on all of the fights since uh, since 2015, before the Mayweather fight. And that, I think, is really kind of where I where I... Got my start in, into running. You know, if I can train his routes and if it's good enough for Manny Pacquiao, world champion, it's it's more than good enough for me. And um that's kind of where I got my start, and then I met some pretty incredible people along the way. Uh my friend Smiles, who is a triathlete um finisher, and a good buddy of mine, Caleb Gage, um, and started training with these guys and started, you know, running running marathons. And you find a big group or a good group to train with, and the rest is history
0: what a dope story of like how you've like really became more passionate about like running, like just to provide more context to like how amazing this is for everyone, you know, tuning in like Pacquiao at this time is like the number one, like, like person in sports and entertainment. Like he was on the cover of times. Like I think right before the Mayweather fight, he was like, what a, he was, was he an eight world division champion at the time? Oh, absolutely. He's world division champions
1: in eight different weight classes. They, it's never been done before. Mind you, think about this he's a champion, a world champion at 110 pounds, all the way up to 150, 147 or 152. I can't remember one of the welterweight classes, but that means he's fighting and beating the best of the best of the best at 100. Imagine being 110 pounds, fighting the best in the world, being 147 pounds, fighting the best in the world, and winning.
0: Yeah, he was uh I mean he still is obviously, but at that time like international superstar, not just in sports but just like in the world, like even in entertainment because his personality was just so like, you know, everyone gravitated towards him because he came from the slums, he was a squatter, right? So like he had this worldwide 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 appeal to him. So when I started seeing the videos, you know, that you're posting on your Instagram stories, um or social media that you were running with him i got like so excited and hyped for you i was like whoa like that was just such a crazy visual to see you like running behind him and training with him like i was like yo mark is doing it right now like hell yeah that's my brother right next to manny pacquiao and i was like a diehard fan my diehard uh, fan myself you know i would i tried to go to one of the fights and i would just watch all the fights i'd be screaming all the time like picking up furniture like i was a diehard fan as well so uh for you to share that story like and to see it actually happen, like, was super rad, man.
1: I mean, it's hard not to like the guy, especially during his pinnacle or his, his zenith, right? He, you know, he talked funny. At least he tried to speak English, right? I, he didn't talk funny. His English wasn't great. Karaoke superstar. He's singing, <laughs> what kind of boxer beats a dude in the ring and then goes and sings karaoke? His singing was terrible, um, and. You know, when he went into the ring, like, you know, his whole deal is find me the biggest, baddest, most threatening opponent. And when the bell rings, go to war. He gave us some of the best fights we've ever seen. Uh, and, you know, he transcended boxing. But, you know, this guy was so approachable, so normal. He looked like, you know, if you were Filipino of Asian descent or what have you, it's like you're kind of like your fobby uncle, you know? Exactly. Just a super, super normal dude. And I did, you know, to kind of tie close the loop on this there was one moment i think i remember where i kind of got in trouble running with them because uh i kind of got in front of him a little bit and um you know i kind of wanted to get in front of him get a shot of him running running up the hill mm. and um he gave me a kind of like this look when he when he caught up to me and he was kind of like yeah don't do that so i didn't He's do right. that I, I didn't do that again
0: of course, you would try to do that. Yeah, For sure, you would try. Not
1: what you want, Manny Pacquiao looking at you, pretty upset. So when he's usually smiling,
0: yeah, his uh, his stare when he's like fighting or like or if he's just like being intense is pretty damn scary. Like it looks like he's like gonna kill you. All right, Mark, let's start talking about some hiking right now. Like I first knew you as a runner, right? But how did you get into hiking?
1: How did I get into hiking? I mean, just track.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's me, right? <laughs> I. Just,
1: that's the funny thing. I'm born and raised in Southern California, and we have a litany and stable and treasure of mountain ranges, with the San Gabriels and the Angeles, and you can go on and on. But I got started with you. Um, you asked me on if we want to go hike Mount Baldy or the Strawberry Peak thing, or whatever you know that's how we started and it's pretty funny how we got started because again we had pretty humble beginnings
0: yeah thanks that's actually the perfect segue so for everyone listening um mark and i had a pretty epic beginning a uh, peak bagging journey in uh, 2017 and at that time i was just super inspired to get outdoors and like do longer steeper bigger hikes And I believe that I had just done Inspiration Point via Echo Mountain, which is about a 10-mile hike near the Pasadena, Altadena area. So the next big step for me was Mount Baldy. Uh, My friend or my mentor at the time, uh, this girl named Paloma S. Maria, she's actually episode four on the podcast, was like, okay, you did Inspiration Point via Echo Mountain, you're ready for the bigger peaks. You should do Mount Baldy. And I was like, what is Mount Baldy? So I did my research. And Mount Baldy is the tallest uh, mountain in all of LA County, 10,064 feet. It's an hour east of downtown LA in the San Gabriel mountain range. It's the peak behind downtown LA that has usually has snow. So when I was trying to figure out like, okay, well, who can I invite? Who would be down? Who might be able to do it? I I instantly thought of Mark. So I reached out to him and this was September, 2017. So it was Mark Feichel, myself, and there's two other people. Oh yeah. It was Pete Kang. Oh my goodness, Pete Kang like pulled up with like jeans on. It was pretty funny. For reference, Pete Kang is uh, a
1: close friend and my roommate at the time. And he was just like, fuck it. Mount sounds cool. We had no idea. I mean, we had no idea really what we were getting ourselves into.
0: Zero to 100. And also uh, Matt Kerr also joined us on that trek. So it was about four of us. So yeah, this is a serious mountain. So uh, I think we got prepped by reading modernhiker.com, the article on Mount Baldy and yeah, Mark, like, I just want to ask you, like, how's that experience doing Mount Baldy with uh, the whole crew and myself? Like it's, it's no joke. This thing is like 10 to 11 miles long. Like you need to bring a day pack, like you had to be prepped and prepared and it's not really something you should just jump into, you know, or else like your experience might be pretty miserable. And I know that Mount Baldy, you know, you had been, uh, it was basically your backyard and you lived in, you know, you're from Ontario and you had really no clue about it or weren't too aware of like this incredible, you know, peak that was just like down the street from you, right? Looking back, Mount Baldy is
1: kind of like the gateway. It's the gateway drug in hiking, right? I feel for a lot of Southern Californians. Yes, I grew up in here in the Inland Empire. Looking out my window almost every day in the morning, um, growing up, I saw what well, was Mount Baldy and it was always just, Hey, that's Mount Baldy. That's kind of just like the mountain that I live by Little that I know there was, it, it, it kind of is exactly that your path and gateway to, uh, some of the bigger trails here in Southern California. And yeah, it definitely is not one that you should kind of, it's not one to be taken lightly, I think, which is, kind of what we did. Um, you had mentioned some, <laughs> One guy rode up in jeans. Another one of our guys didn't bring a jacket, and he was vegan at the time, so he was complaining that because I'm vegan, I'm cold. And it, <laughs> he wasn't cold at the bottom, but oh, and little man. did we know, you know, you should bring a jacket, and he had a jacket, but he didn't bring it, and he was freezing his ass off at the top. And I'm like, oh, I don't really need water, so I didn't bring much water. And, um, but all in all, everything was fine. And that hike
0: especially, we went up via Devil's Backbone – Oh, yes. Talk about what did you think of Devil's Backbone? That's like definitely one of the well-known, famous, or infamous sections, actually.
1: Well, what initially got me excited was seeing pictures of that thing in the snow. Because you see it and you're like, holy shit, this is is amazing. Um, And if you haven't done Mount Baldy before, and I'm assuming everyone who's listening is mostly probably have, but if you haven't, Google Mount Baldy in the winter. And Devil's Backbone specifically, and you'll see what we're talking about. You know, people have unfortunately lost their lives to this portion of the trail. We weren't going to do it in the snow, although it seemed cool. Um, we weren't about to do that to ourselves or put ourselves in that kind of position. So going up that route is cool. You have Top of the Notch, um, which is a restaurant, one of the best views in Southern California. Um, you can stop, get a drink. They have beer up there. They do beer festivals. We went up... and we went up the devil's backbone and I think one of the things when you start getting towards that portion of, of, of the hike, it really starts to test you. It really starts to test you because the elevation gain is starting to really kind of ramp up and you always think you're almost at the top. That's got a few false, you know, false summits and you get there and there's this one portion right after devil's backbone where you you're almost summiting, but it just kind of keeps going up and everyone at this point is kind of just getting tired, getting tired I remember one specific moment, um, I kind of prided myself, especially early on in my athletic, I guess, running career, hiking career, if you could even call it that, where I was like, Oh, I don't need water, oh I don't need snacks. I'm gonna do it as a reward when I get to the top. And I remember we we're almost we we're past the devil's backbone point, and I ate a piece of beef jerky because I had eaten nothing up until that point, because I wanted to wait till we got to the top. And that changed everything. You know, if you if 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 you've ever worked out or done any strenuous activity on an empty stomach. You know what I'm talking about? And you eat something afterwards. If you do a long bike ride on an empty stomach and you eat and you bike back, you're going to feel much better. So I remember that moment, I just remember getting to the top and it being a pretty pretty big moment for us. You know, it was the the, the longest hike I had ever done and you know, I haven't really done much, much or many hikes before that. And I think for you, especially, it was uh, it was definitely a moment, you know, one of the highest points in all of Southern California. And I think it really opened up um, the door to many other hikes. I know for you, at least, it really opened up the door to, to you know, bigger and better and really answering the question of what's next.
0: Yeah, man, uh, making that summit was kind of like the realization like, yo, like, I'm ready to do even bigger peaks at higher elevation and longer mileage and even steeper. Like making it to the summit with like you, Pete, and Matt, like that was a special moment for sure. Like it was super windy getting up to the top. And like I consider Mount Baldi like our local Mount Everest. Like that's a good kind of like analogy. Like I like to tell people, like when you, so when you got to the summit, like what did you think of the views? I mean, it was incredible. It was 10,064 feet, if I remember correctly.
1: Um, and I remember getting there and being like, wow, this is... For me, at least it was in my backyard this entire time. I would look at this crazy, mountain out my window. Crazy. And seeing it from this perspective was completely changed to me in the sense that, hey, you know, I've always looked up to this mountain. Now I'm looking down and, you know, where's my house? You know, I can... I, I wondered where it was now that I can kind of look down. It was, it was a completely different perspective. And it felt good. It felt good to be at the top. Um, and it was funny, you know, we... <laughs> We had made so many mistakes and we we're so ill prepared. We were, thank God, modern hiker. We looked up the article, which it always modern hiker whomever is doing those hikes. Just, just rug. You probably know does that was Schre- Casey
0: Schreiner. Schreiner. He's usually warp doing
1: speed. Them. He always does them in like four, five, six, seven hours. It takes us considerably longer than that. But um, you know, we were taking screenshots of of a guide on the way up because we didn't have all trails. Yeah, we, we weren't using anything. all trails We at were time using Tracking myself, yeah. We were literally going portion to portion being like, hey, I think we make a left here. I think we make a right there. And I think that was also the start of just understanding the hiking community, which is very much, you know, uh, uh, being part of something bigger, feeling like you're part of something bigger. And hiking community, like a lot of communities that are sort of based on uh, personal success in the outdoors A lot of hikers have your back where they they should. They'll tell you if there's danger up ahead. If you have a question, everyone's kind of all there together with a common goal of kind of, uh, um, you know, conquering and and being your best self out there in the outdoors. So, you know, that's where we started to ask a lot of questions. And everyone's super friendly, you know, as that's not a new thing now. But for the first time, we're like,
0: everyone's super friendly up here. Everyone's so nice.
1: Yeah, there's really not a lot of people
0: up there, too. So everyone's got to kind of help each other out. Yeah, that was great, man. Um, yeah, Mount Baldy, I would say, is definitely my favorite uh, big mountain that I like to do over and over again since there's so many ways to conquer that peak and routes and just to kind of like end the end the loop on Mount Baldy. Um, so we went up Devil's Backbone, we made it to the summit, and we came back down the ski hut slash Baldy Bowl trail. And I'll never forget, like it was so steep going down. We were literally surfing down the loose scree, which is like the loose dirt. And I just remember Mark just having a blast and just like filming everything. And it was really steep going down, but it was much uh, shorter. And we went down the ski hut slash Baldy Bowl trail all the way back to Manker Flats, which was the trailhead. So it was about, uh, I want to say like 10.3 to 11 miles total, the mileage, and the elevation gain was about 4,000 feet elevation gain. For those of you who do not know what elevation gain means, it means wherever you start. And then when you reach the peak, the difference of that is the elevation gain. So just to clarify that. And yeah, Mount Baldy was like what you said, that was the gateway drug to conquering even the bigger mountains in the San Gabriels and this uh, San Bernardino mountains and San Gorgonio wilderness. And we had another crazy adventure after Mount Baldy because, you know, after we conquered and bagged Mount Baldy, we were like, all right, what's next? So Paloma Esmeria Again, the one who was putting all these mountains and crazy uh, recommendations, you know, into my head, she was like, "You should do Strawberry Peak," but the Mountaineers route. I was like, "The Mountaineers route? Like, what is that?" So I got instantly intrigued. And Strawberry Peak, for everyone listening, is the hardest hike in the Front Range of the San Gabriel Mountains. And we weren't doing it the normal route from Red Box Canyon. We were going to do it the Mountaineers route, which is, you know, you have to do your re- you have to do proper research. So this is a very serious route. Because there are two rock scrambling sections and you have to kind of uh, go off trail. And it's also like a bit of bushwhacking. So who did I invite or who did I reach out to? Mark Feichel. And this was November 2017. But the thing with Strawberry Peak was there was two attempts. Because the first attempt was crazy and could have ended really, really terribly. And what I mean by that is... so. We did Strawberry Peak, the first attempt, November 2017, and we started at Colby Canyon. And this trailhead is just like it's not even a trailhead. It was like what, Mark? It was like a little dirt like little dirt lot that did not look obvious at all. It's
1: a turnout. It's a turnout on the highway. You don't you don't know it's even there.
0: Exactly. So just to fast forward for this hike, so we were hiking, we began in Colby Canyon. We hiked in two miles, and we somehow missed a switchback. And We found this route that looked really fun. And it basically, it looked like a dry creek riverbed that went like straight up the mountain. And we're like, oh, we should just go up this. Like, we'll be fine. Like, it'll probably eventually, you know, connect with the main ridgeline that we were supposed to originally be on. So what did we do? We went up this off-trail route and we kept climbing and rock scrambling more and more. And, you know, it wasn't too bad in the beginning, but... It just got more difficult and trying to figure out the the problems or the climbs became much more just like scary and just like dangerous. And I'll never forget, we are like three quarters up the mountain. We have no clue where we are. We don't know if we're meeting up the main ridgeline or whatever. And Mark is in front of me and there's this one section that I just can't figure out and I get stuck on the ledge and it's like loose dirt. And like I have my hand holding onto this rock ledge and i'm literally stuck for like what like 10 minutes or 5 to 10 minutes and i freeze and i'm like yo mark like i can you help me like can you describe like that moment like up to that point man like like of me getting stuck and like what you thought of the trail up to then
1: <laughs> we made a mistake <laughs> we made Big a boo boo yeah and i think that really sort of exposed our inexperience you know we missed the switchback Somehow, and I'm sure for all the people who are hikers out there, if you've ever done a trail, sometimes you're like, "There comes a moment, perhaps if you go off trail and you're like, I don't not sure something doesn't feel right
0: uh, th- for real quick, this was before the saddle, which is the water tower there, so we must have switched back that was before the the saddle so the learning is if you feel like
1: something's not right, chances are it may not be, or it may be worth turning back, maybe." 10 to 15 minutes to see where that portion was. And if you're not sure, take the time because a little bit now is going to pay off a lot later. So we made a mistake. We went up almost vertical on this mountain. And I just think this is the funniest shit. ever. Literally vertical. Yeah. And it's, I I think it's really funny because I'm thinking like, um, I pretty sure we're going up the wrong way, but we didn't realize the danger of what could have been. Um, Maybe we can share some content with some of your listeners, but there are some parts really loose rocks. You know, you know, there's something's wrong when you're when you're going up the trail and rocks are just falling everywhere. Rocks you're grabbing onto are just falling down down the mountain. It's not good. I remember one particular moment. Justin, just rock, dress trek was ahead of me, and this thing is almost vertical, and he, every rock he's grabbing is just loose, and one of them fell off and hit me in the face and hit my tooth. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And so at that point, I was like, "Okay, it's time to- <laughs> things are getting risky." And it wasn't funny anymore. And then there were moments where you know, to 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 sort of um, continue the story, what you talked about, where there was one position where you were really in trouble, and I thought it was funny for the first five minutes, and I recorded you. I was like, Let's, "I hate you
0: so much. <laughs> Let's see you get out of this one, dude." You know, there's a hood rack. There's a hood rat hiking meme that I. Need to send you. Yeah. And so I thought this was really
1: funny, just kind of watching you figure it out. And then at one point, you kind of looked at, you know, you gave me a look and I knew something was wrong and that you were like, hey, can you help me? Like, I need help right now. And your arms were shaking, your legs were shaking. And I was like, okay, time to stop fucking around. Um, and, you know, kind of came over somehow. And, you know, looking back, it kind of gives me chills to kind of look at some of this footage and see what we did because it was really, really stupid. And, you know, I, I remember pushing you up. You're sh- pushing you, you up with my shoulder you know, and getting you to, to a point of safety. And I remember specifically you saying, hey, if we just keep going up, it's fine. We get to the top of this mountain and we'll be okay. We'll be fine because we're going to meet up with the rest of the trail. And you were so convinced and convicted that that was going to work. But I was like, well, what if it doesn't? What if we go to the top and we're nowhere near the trail? And you were like, all right, so what do we do? I was like, we got to go down. We got to go down. You're like, you I don't know how I'm going to go down because coming up was 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 so difficult and we're going to slide and we're going to fall on these rocks and going to go everywhere. But we did. We did very carefully and literally, you know, hand here, foot here. This is the angle, you know, kind of really kind of just making our way down. And at that point, we even there was a moment where we thought of, hey let's figure out where we where we did wrong and and continue and try and finish and we had wasted maybe like two or three hours at this point and um you know we made the decision and i think this is probably one of the first decisions on a big hike where we decided we got to let this one go
0: let go of the summit fever for yeah. sure yeah. yeah that was a uh, man that was so intense i just remember like after we somehow scrambled back down that crazy route that we went up like i was shook you know like Just to be real, like when we got off the mountain, and I think we we got the Jamba Juice like in the neighborhood around Pasadena, like I was just like, dude, what just happened? Like that was like really bad. Like either severely hospitalized or just dead. You know, like I was shook, and I was just like, remember drinking my smoothie? Like I was just so grateful that Mark was able to help me because you know I had to like jump on this ledge and just pull myself up. And I just remember I was out of breath, my hands were shaking, like. I was just like, yo, this is not fun anymore, you know? <laughs> like, that was really risky business. It's kind of like one of those moments where if you've ever climbed,
1: but you don't look down for a long time, and when you finally do look down, you're kind of like, "Oh shit." Or when you're doing a great hike and you look down, you're like, "Oh, this is beautiful." But imagine doing that looking down and having that "oh shit" moment and kind of asking yourself, "How am I going to get down because were we made a boo-boo, you know?
0: <laughs> big big boo-boo." So, you know, we didn't have summit fever. We went down the mountain. And then of course it was like, okay, we need redemption and figure out where the hell, <laughs> what the hell went wrong and where we got lost. Right. So our first attempt was November, 2017. And so our second attempt was December, 2017. So just a month later. And we were like, okay, let's conquer this properly. I had done my research even more. I think I was using all at that time, I believe. And I believe I had like the pro version so I could download the offline map. So we're back at Colby Canyon. This is December. And we do the same two miles in. And then we see the exact point where we missed the switchback. And Mark and I definitely look at each other like, bro, like, how did we miss that? It was just, we just had to cross this little like, not a ledge, but we just didn't look in the right direction. And there was the switchback. So we took that switchback and it led us to the saddle, which is where the water tower is. And it's from the water tower where you have to take a really steep hill or incline that'll set you on the pathway to the mountaineers route where there's two rock scrambling sections. And I still remember Mark, like, you know, we're being trying to be cautious. Mark was like, Justin, are you sure this is the right way? Are you positive? Because we weren't about to have another moment. You know, I was like, no, I'm positive. This looks familiar. Like we're going the right way. And it was it, it didn't seem like the right way because it was just like so off trail. Right. So we go on this off-trail route and we have to like go through this overground brush and then we finally approach this, the first rock scramble. And I remember you looked at me like, Justin, are you sure this is the right scramble or or in the right position? I'm like, I'm absolutely positive. This is exactly what it looks like. And so I wanted to ask you, Mark, like what were your thoughts of the first rock scramble? And after we conquered that um, fast forwarding to the second rock scramble, how's that experience for yourself? Rock
1: scrambling is fun. <laughs> it's fun when you respect the rocks, you know, and you have to You have to always respect not only the rocks, wherever, wherever you're at. But I think w- there is one particular moment I thought was really cool, which was kind of this connection. Again, connection to something greater and connection to community and a connection to people, even when the people aren't there. And what I mean is like, we were going up these rocks. We weren't sure which way we were going, especially I think it was the second rock scramble. And we kept climbing our way up. We're like, are we going the right way? Is this it? And I noticed I was like, well, that's pretty interesting. There's like a red bow, like a red ribbon tied right here. Little like little on a branch. I was like, that's that's really interesting. And then we kind of went up a little more. Like, hey, is this the right way? Oh, there's another red ribbon right here. And little did we know that they were markers. You know, they were markers that someone had put up, which you see all the time. Um people stacking rocks, people tying ribbons, people, you know, even spray painting signs, whatever it is, you know, this is, I thought this was a really, this is the first time I'd ever, I'd ever seen this. And I thought that was a really, really unique sort of uh, uh, dimension to hiking that I'd never seen before, because someone before you came here and took the time to do this. And it's almost, you know, kind of being part of, of their hike and their conversation without them being there. You know, you're kind of going the same way and it's their way of kind of saying, hey, you're on the right path. You're going the right way, right? People don't have to do that, but they do. And it's really interesting. And you kind of think like, who is this person who did this? You know, who is this person who's ensuring like I'm going and I'm on the right path? So I thought that was really fucking cool. And you see that all the time. And I think that's something that's pretty, pretty special about hiking. It's kind of like the registry at the top. Right? you get there and you see oh fuck someone was just here yesterday there's no one up here right now I missed you by like 24 hours exactly like you know that's uh it's almost like a time capsule you know or traveling through time while still being in time so uh, strawberry peak was was great one of my favorite hikes it's got tons of personality on all different sides of the mountain um and I have only done it once so we need to do it again
0: Oh yeah. I'm down after this heat wave. That's for sure. Dude, I really loved how you described the whole like, um, about the, about the arrows and the ribbons and how like people came before us and like the hiking community and all that, like a great thought, um, real quick, just to backtrack. So the first rock scramble is very doable. You know, you just have to watch your footing. And I would suggest, you know, getting those like cheap, like dollar, $2, like working gloves. They work amazing on like hikes like this on rock scrambling. So the first rock scramble section is very doable, you know, nothing too difficult or hard, but it's the second rock scramble that's much more technical and where you have to be very careful. And I'll never forget, like, Mark, like literally, you always love living on the edge, literally. You were like walking across this really narrow ledge and like hugging the wall. And I took a photo of you and I was just like, Mark, please be so careful. Like it like gave me like so much anxiety (laughs) watching you scramble and traverse this one, like section of the rock. And I was just like, this is getting ridiculous. We are like this, this mountaineers route makes you really feel like a, like a real life mountain climb, you know, like near the city. That's the trippy thing about this route. And so we conquered that section and it was very exhilarating. And, you know, we got to the top, we signed the registry, we took our photos and then we went back down, we made it a loop actually. And we went back down uh, the backside of the mountain and we did the strawberry meadows loop. So we didn't have to go and scramble back down the rocks, which I would recommend you probably not do if you can, but if you have to, you know, just be very careful of your footing and whatnot, because down scrambling can be very different from up scrambling. And uh, just real quick, like when we finished the hike or the loop through Strawberry Meadows, the really epic thing about it was not only did we conquer that mountaineers route, but we were literally like chasing like the sunlight or the daylight because uh, I remember Mark made me trail run like <laughs> three <laughs> miles of that section because it was getting dark real quick. And we literally got to the trailhead at Colby Canyon like at 5 p.m. And right as we got there, it just got dark, right?
1: Yeah. Um. You have to take some of those moments in because there's nothing like a sunset, you know, hike, but... Um you know we didn't start early enough we didn't start early enough so we had to make up for some of the time and yeah i made you run <laughs> i wasn't very patient back then i always wanted to run yeah. get some you know for me hiking wasn't um it wasn't enough it wasn't enough it wasn't enough physical activity where now i approach it completely different you know, you do a 20, 25 mile hike or something like that, you know, that's like a marathon, number one. And number two, it's a different type of mindset. You're not just, you know, going as fast as you can and trying to race against the clock. It's definitely more of exercising patience in your body, and your mind. Um, but at the time, yeah, let's run. Let's not waste any time. And I did
0: not, one thing I did not want to do is hike in the dark. Yeah, I remember that's a really big thing with you because, you know, in, in the dark, Or at night, you don't know what's out there. We're out in the wilderness, you know, mountain lions, like snakes, like bears, like it's not fun, you know? What if, what
1: if, okay. Yeah. Also too, Strawberry Peak, taking into consideration our first time that we did it, we got lost and we weren't out of the woods yet. Literally. (laughs) Figuratively, literally, we were not out of the woods yet. And what if it turned dark, pitch dark, and we get lost again?
0: Then what? Not only that, like. Dude, if we if you didn't push me to run like two to three miles, we would have been it would have uh, it would have been a different kind of hike hard. at that point. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I don't think we had headlamps either. Nope. That's right, we didn't have headlamps. That's nope. why we were running. We didn't have shit. <laughs> That's crazy. I, this is when I was just using my eighteen liter like day pack, which barely I like literally stuffed it so much it looked like it was about to explode. But uh, everything worked out perfectly. We. it was ended up being a sunset hike at the end. We got to the car and we just looked at each other and like we're like, hell yeah, we did that. We conquered the mountain and we definitely were able to check that off our list. All right, so after conquering Strawberry Peak, we did an insane mountain called Big Bad Iron Mountain. That was the next on the list. And how did I find out about this mountain again? It was Paloma. (laughs) Put this crazy idea in my head. And just to preface Iron Mountain real quick for the listeners. Uh, So this hike is considered the most challenging and difficult uh, mountain in the San Gabriel Mountain Range, the entire mountain range, and also the most isolated. Like this one is no joke. There's no water source. It's around 15 to 16 miles, and it is treacherously steep. So, of course, I was like... I got super intrigued, you know. I read the modern Hi- the modern hiker article, and I sent it over to Mark, and he was like, "Hell yeah! yeah. Who are you gonna call when you get super excited about a hike?" <laughs> Mark Feichel, for sure. So I was like, "Yo, Mark, check this out. This is gonna be an insane challenge, but I think we should try it. We should, you know, we just did strawberry we did Strawberry Peak, we did Mount Baldy. Like, let's try our hand at Big Bad Iron Mountain." So our first attempt was May two thousand eighteen, and. It was first off there's a few things that we should not have done. It was first it was the summer. So to do this hike in the summer is already ridiculous. And it's at the same trailhead as Bridge to Nowhere. For and Bridge to Nowhere is a very well-known hike in Socal. It's like it's kind of our like local local like Zion the Narrows trail. You like you're fording like the San Gabriel River and it's really awesome. So it's the same trailhead as that. And we attempted the first uh we attempted Iron Mountain in May 2018. And we started at 9 a.m. That was already the biggest mistake. Like whenever you do long day hikes like this, you should start at like 5, 6 a.m., no later than like 7 for sure. And us starting at 9 a.m. really set us did not set us up properly for success. So there's no water source in this hike. And I just remember like me and Mark were geared up. It was just us two again, the one two punch, and we had all trails on us. We had the offline map. We felt pretty prepared for the most part, but man, it was just since since it was May, it was just those beginning hours just started to get really hot, and I'm like, I drink so much water, and I was already running out of so much water in the first like three, four hours and so we got about i want to say around a mile and a half from the summit, right? And this is the first time where I ever felt like woozy and dizzy and it, I just didn't feel good at all. And that was the first time I felt like that in my hiking journey thus far. And I was running out of water, I was drinking all of Mark's water. And I remember Mark was like, yo, like, are you okay? Like Mark's very good about like, you know, analyzing and assessing situations, whether it be work related or like physic or physical activity. So I'm really glad that he was like, you know, with me on that day because I was having summit fever, you know, and I was feeling woozy and dizzy because I was looking at the map. I'm like, oh, we're like, no, we're just like a mile and a half, one mile from the summit. But but everybody like those last two and a half miles to the summit are like absolutely like that's the soul snatcher there. It ascends like 3,500 feet and two and a half miles. Like I know a lot of you might not understand how difficult that is. But that's like absolutely brutal. It is a suffer fest, that section. And I was just like, we had to take a break. And we were actually, we saw another marker. I think it was like, what was it, Mark? The W39 like 39 marker? Or, I think it was 17. No, 17, sorry. 17. 39 yeah. is Rattlesnake Peak. And so we weren't even at the top. We were like a mile and a half. And I we stopped, put our blanket out, ate our lunch. And I just kind of assessed how I felt. And I felt all like, like I was going to pass out. And I was like, yo, Mark, I don't feel good, man. Like... And you were like, yeah, that's the right, we, we can't push it anymore because we don't know how much longer it's going to take. And it's super hot. And we still have to go back down like seven, six miles and it's treacherously steep. So the important lesson that day was, again, not to have summit fever because I'm absolutely positive if we kept going for that last mile, mile and a half, it would have been really bad. And there was literally no one, like barely anyone else on the mountain that day. So if I pass out next to Mark, like, there's no cell phone reception. We're super isolated. That would have just been really bad, you know. We couldn't even call for help. We didn't have a Garmin device or anything. So, I just felt so shitty, you know, like having to turn around cuz I felt like Mark could have kept going. Um so yeah, we went back down and that was already its own journey like it was so steep going down the loose scree. And we got to the trailhead and then I just remember like uh, Mark was like, "Yo, we gotta, we gotta come back, Justin, and like, we gotta conquer this." And I was already kind of like, just so out of it and just so beat up from the day and demoralized. I was like, "I don't know, man. Like, I think I might have, I might chill on this mountain and like just do other peaks because that's how, that's how brutal this peak is. It's, it's called Iron Mountain for a reason. So that attempt was in May, and then you know, after a few weeks, I was like, okay. Like, Mark kept you know following up with me, like, we're gonna do Iron, right? We're gonna, we're gonna conquer this beast, and I was like all right, fine. I'm in a better headspace. I know how much water I need to bring. I'm going to be much more prepared, right? So fast forward, this is June, 2018. So it's Mark and myself. And then we have another friend that joins us, a close friend of ours. And we started much earlier. We started, I believe at 5.30 or 6 a.m. on the tread. So that we are already setting ourselves up for a lot of success. But little did we know that this day was going to be one of the most brutal and longest days of our hiking experience are just lives pretty much. So we're doing great the first couple miles and, you know, we have enough water, we have hiking poles and our friend is cramping, I, be, I believe, like mile three or four in. And this this is like during like the really steep sections, like I think right before the saddle. And... Mark, can you can can you just chime in? Like this is kind of when I felt like we both knew, like, oh man, if he's already cramping like at this point in the hike, like, I don't know, this might this this is like an ominous sign about of <laughs> things to come, right?
1: Yeah, this is gonna be a long day, and it was
0: um, excruciatingly yeah. long. But I mean, we were out, we were
1: out on the mountain for almost damn near 19 hours, probably. We started at around 5.30 a.m. We didn't get to the bottom around 12 or 1 a.m. Crazy. We ran into a lot of problems. Again, I think we learned from some of our mistakes and we ran into some things. And, you know, the complications were, unfortunately, our friend um, injured themselves. They were cramping early on. We wanted to finish. We had a friend who... Has a very high threshold for pain. And he'll work through it. Um, The pain got worse. We kept ascending. And this is a person who will never quit. So they kept pushing themselves. And we followed. Um, This is a person who uh, uh, couldn't take any ibuprofen or Advil because they're allergic, which made it even more challenging. And as we almost got to the top two, just our luck, there was a great baby little rattlesnake who wanted to say hello to our friend. And I remember he kind of screamed out and we were like, what the hell's going on? And he was like a snake. <laughs> we were like, great. This day is just going perfect.
0: Oh, you <laughs> forgot one thing on the way up. There were vicious mosquitoes literally eating all of us alive.
1: Oh, that was crazy. I was crazy. And that was horrible eating alive in terms of I had, about 17 mosquito bites on one leg, 19 or 21 on the other. And mind you, I wore a—I wore compression shorts this day, I remember. And they bit through, which is disgusting. And mosquitoes are disgusting. And they're vicious. the worst. Um, so we had a lot of things against us. And it was hot, extremely hot still. We started early. We wanted to finish. And how many people were hiking
0: that day? Zero. There's no one else on the mountain on this particular day.
1: If no one's hiking, if you don't see anyone on your hike, it's probably for a good reason. They're probably not hiking because it's probably a sign that's either too hot, not safe, and you probably shouldn't do it, but we did. And despite the mosquito bites, despite the snake, despite the cramping, uh, we pushed through and we finally made it to the top. And I think you had a very sort of momentous and memorable, I think, summit. Justin.
0: Yeah, like when we got to the top like after that incident with our friend almost being attacked, well, being lunged at by a rattlesnake at the top. Like that's, that's just so ridiculous like like to be attacked by a rattlesnake right as you right before you summit is just like a bad <laughs> like, That is like the worst thing that could ever happen. Like God hates you or something. I don't he know. He was
1: protecting the summit. You don't want us to get there.
0: <laughs> yes, pretty much, I guess. You're absolutely right. So I'll never forget. So I was in front of Mark and our friend, and after we got past like the the, the rock section, the, the the gray rock section, I was like, "Oh my God, I after so many false summits, there must have been like seven to ten false summits. I finally was like, "Oh my God, I think I'm at the summit." And as I started walking to the top, I saw the W15 marker laying on the ground. And I literally was like, holy shit, we're here. And I looked back at Mark. And this is the first and only time I've ever done this on any mountain up until this day. I literally jumped up and down screaming and said, Oh my God, we're here. We did it. Hell yeah. What the hell? Oh my God, what did we just go through? And I was just jumping up and down out of sheer joy, like and relief, you know? And I also just felt very like invincible in that moment because. You know, I felt so demoralized the first attempt. Like I didn't want to come back and do this peak. You know, it was that brutal. And a suffer fest. And I remember looking at you, Mark, and you were like, wow, like we're in the heart of the San Gabriel Mountains, 360-degree views. And you could see Mount Baldy you know, across from us, and like Rattlesnake Peak, which is the younger brother of Rattle of uh, of Iron. And we just both looked in awe. And our friend was just like also just relieved <laughs> that we made it to the top. So we took our summit photos, you know, we signed the registry, and I usually don't do that, but for this one, I definitely had to. And we got our content, and we were like, wow, we are beat up. We're so tired. Like, and we knocked out for like I think 45 minutes to an hour. And then it was like, you know, after you bag an epic peak like that, like, what was that feeling, Mark? We were like, shit, we have to go down another seven to eight miles, and it is gonna be so long and so steep, and our friend is hurting. And he's he's still cramping. And like, I don't know how the rest of this journey is going to be right. Yeah, going down is different
1: from going up. And for those of you who have done Iron Mountain, you know what we're talking about. If you haven't, this is a hike. People like different things in different hikes. And this is not a hike that's pretty. It's got a lot of trees, greenery, shade. This is a hike you do just to say you fucking did it. Period. In my opinion, it's not very fun. It's fun. It was fun for me because it was very physically demanding. And I really exactly. loved that about it. And it really challenged you. I remember going up there, you know, the grade on some of these inclines were, were just kind of like, you know, we looked at each other we're like, wait, this is the way up, right? Like, <laughs> This is hella steep. This is like, why is this so steep? This is what they want, <laughs> you know? Man. And when we looked at each other that moment and it continued, I remember of that level of incline and elevation for about a few hours for a few hours and so we had to make our way down and going down is a completely different thing we had passed out for a little bit we were super excited and we just i just wanted to get helicopter down to be honest but we can't do that mind you no one's on the no one's on the mountain at all it's hot we're there our buddy's injured we got to make our way down because we really don't have a choice so we're making our way down and unfortunately our friend's injury gets worse. And worse and worse. And think about the toughest person you know. Think about the toughest person you know who will fight through all the pain. So this is our friend. And you know, when this person who is the toughest person you know starts to say it hurts, you must know shit must really, really hurt. And it was hard to really kind of carry on because the student's in pain. And we had to really slow the pace. And the pace slowed, it slowed, it slowed. Daylight is slipping away from us. And we have to get down. You're dealing with the incline and challenges of Iron Mountain. So it was tough. We were a little better prepared this time. We had a headlamp. But remember, recall, Strawberry Peak, we didn't want to hike in the dark. And this time, an even more physically demanding and challenging mountain, even deeper in with more of our favorite yucca plants who stuck us more times than we can remember. It was getting dark. It was getting dark. I'm thinking in my head, how much time do we have with the sun? And what's the plan for if it does go dark? And we probably, you know, the false summits going up, you also feel the false ones going down. Hey, let's just get over that hill and we'll be close. We'll be close. And that kept happening. So the mountain's kind of playing tricks on us at this point.
0: It's a roller coaster. You lose elevation, you gain elevation. You lose elevation, you gain elevation. It
1: sucked because you had to go down just to go back up, just to go back down again. And that cycle repeated itself maybe three or four times. And you're seeing the path that you have to go and you're just like, I, re- I have to do that. Like, where, where's the escalator? <laughs> you know,
0: yeah, Where's the zip line? That's, where's the escalator? That's not we what you, need to get down. That's now. not what you
1: sign up for when you do, when you do Iron Mountain. So darkness is coming, and our pace is slow to one foot in front of the other. A limp, a limp. Six o'clock rolls into seven o'clock to eight o'clock to nine o'clock, and it's dark. It's dark, and you're in a place. Remember, we're the only ones on the mountain, and. At this time, I think being fatigued, all the heat, wanting to get home, we were worried about our friend, our friends pushing through. I know personally for me, my mind started to kind of play tricks on me in terms of the light and shadow, what you're seeing, We are moving around, there are tons of bugs. Justin, you had, thankfully, at least a headlamp, but Bugs loves that lamp.
0: Oh, God. Moths in my face for three hours in disgusting. the dark is the worst experience. It was
1: disgusting. I remember walking myself backwards on an Iron Mountain just so I could light a path with my iPhone to help our friend see. And this went on. Nine went into 10, went into 11 p.m., went into 12. And at one point, I remember our friend was, was we're almost there. I'm telling you, we're almost there. We just got to cross this. We, have... we did that so many times. And at one point, our friend was like, fuck you. Stop lying to me. <laughs> when is this shit going to be over?
0: Oh, man. And um,
1: eventually around like 12, after, you know, again, we started at 5.30, It's around 12, I finally see a little outhouse or a, a, a little sort of cabin at the bottom. And I remember seeing that cabin on our way up. And that was kind of the moment I remember. And I freaked out
0: because I thought it wasn't real. You freaked me out. I thought you saw like a bear in the distance. So... So we made it. We eventually made it
1: with more key learnings in our toolkit and uh, a big serving of of humble pie for sure. And the first thing we did after that is we went to Jack in the Box. (laughs) Only (laughs) thing open. is the only thing open. And our friends were pretty upset with us because they couldn't contact us. Mind you, imagine your friends are going out on a hike. They leave at
0: 4 in the morning. You don't hear from them until 1 in the morning. So... We worried a lot of people that day. That's for sure. Man. Um, so let's do it again. When are we doing it again? This is what well, I, I'm, I definitely am going to do it at the end of September. I believe I'm going to do it at the end of September as training for the Fool's Traverse by Traverse Outdoors. So shout outs to them. You should join me, Mark. Fuck let's it. go through the Summerfest again. <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, but real quick before we end off Iron Mountain, like I want you guys to visualize this real quick. The last three miles, we're literally moving at a snail's pace and our friend is like, it looks like he's like almost going to pass out and he's kind of veering off the ledges or off to the edge. So it was just a lot to kind of like deal with at that moment. You know, we wanted to make sure we had got all got off the mountain safely and took care of each other, which we did, but it was just like going at that pace was so like, you know, you, you really had to focus on just like, like, okay, just calm yourself down. And like, you're going to get through this eventually at some point, but like guys, like, being on the mountain for 19 hours is absolutely ridiculous. Like it is draining and just so tiring and just mentally exhausted, exhausting. And I just couldn't believe when we got off that mountain. And like, I was so, I wasn't even happy at the bottom when we, when we got there It was just like that realization of like, I am so beat up right now, but I know in the morning tomorrow, like I'll be ecstatic, you know, and maybe just go to the pool and celebrate. But yeah, man, Mark, that was, man, that was, we all definitely grew closer after that hike. I mean, you I consider you one of my closest friends, but definitely after that hike, we were all like, yo, like, what the hell just happened? Like, wow, we conquered that. We somehow got through that. So proud of all of us, especially under those circumstances. That's the
1: magic um, of Iron Mountain.
0: <laughs> yeah, big bad Iron Mountain is <laughs> will serve you up, uh, humble pie real quick. Um, but man, just conquering that under the circumstances was quite the accomplishment. And you know speaking of accomplishments I actually want to get into another one of yours that you achieved and that was running and finishing the LA marathon mm-hmm. like how was that experience like I know you like ran it three times maybe you can get into like how is it different each time and like how did you train for it can you get into all that
1: Yeah absolutely and I think if you haven't noticed by now at least my beginnings or when I try and take on challenges I definitely Did not take the right approach in the same way when we started hiking. We didn't really have a plan. We were hiking in jeans. We didn't bring water. We, you know, all these different things. My sort of marathon journey was very similar in that if you're a runner, you like to gradually work your way up to higher mileage, you know, that's applicable in your training. So I had never done, you know, a 5K, a 10K half marathon so i decided hey my first race is going to be a full marathon full 26.2 miles you are crazy my brother why not and at the time i had a really great uh, support group around me so i decided two weeks before the 2018 la marathon that i was going to do it and mind you the the furthest i had ever ran prior to that was about 10 miles and a marathon full marathon is more than double that And I was like, it's just, it'll be fine, you know, just run, walk it. And as long as I cross the finish line, I'll be good. And come race day, I'm good 10 miles, 15 miles in, 18 miles in. And now I realize why they call it the wall. Your body does some really weird things if you've been running for about 20 miles, 21 miles, 22 miles. And even though you have the will to, sometimes you don't have the actual physicality to do it it's not maybe respiratory you can breathe just fine but sometimes your legs will just give out so i finished i think i finished in like four hours just over four hours or something like that so it wasn't bad for my first marathon and i had some really great training partners my guy nate smiles dj smiles who well another interesting thing is i'm again a short dude about five foot six or so. And my training partner is about six foot a million or six foot four.
0: (laughs) Disco poppy. (laughs) Yeah. And
1: he was so great. He decided that he wasn't going to let me run my first marathon, probably looking retrospectively because he thought it was a stupid idea that I was doing it. And for him, it was, you know, cake. So, um, that was marathon. Number one, marathon two actually was just about, six to eight months later. Did the LA Marathon. Next marathon was this marathon in Big Bear. And whereas I ran the LA Marathon in just over four hours, I did the Big Bear Marathon, which was full. Didn't train seriously for that one either. I mean, I trained so- more seriously for Big Bear than I did LA, but still not. Typically, it's about 16-week training program that you do four months with different tempoed runs, different easy runs, different long, slow distance runs on the weekends with tapering in between there, which I did I did nothing. I said, let me just get my mileage per week and I'm good. And I think another sort of definitive moment for running for me was I ran the Big Bear Marathon almost an entire hour faster than I did LA. Mind you, wow. of course, there's a lot of hills. A lot of it is downhill. So, of course, you're going to run a lot faster. But running downhill, you can't underestimate that shit. Definitely has major load on your knees, on your joints, on your calves. Just because you can run down really fast doesn't mean you're going to do some, you you could potentially do some serious damage to your body. And I think that was a big point for me where I realized, hey, I'm only maybe 20 minutes away from qualifying for the Boston Marathon, which is, you know, the king of all kings, the queen of all queens, that is the mecca most longest standing, most sought after accomplishment in running for at least normal runners. You have to qualify. Not everyone can run. You have to run for my age group. It was a seven minute mile average, slowest you can run for 26 miles. So I realized this may not be so far out of reach than I probably initially imagined. So the different instances in the marathons, they 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 definitely you want to continue to get better every single time. And I think for me, LA Marathon was always about taking someone new across the finish line in the same way that my guy Smiles helped take me across the finish line the first time. Second year, I got introduced to a new friend, my guy, Caleb Gage. He's a leukemia survivor, cancer survivor. He was, for the most part, a very healthy mid-30-year-old. And then one day, his body just started to change. He went to the hospital and found out, hey, I have cancer. And... He, you know, was in the hospital for many, many months. Got out and decided, I want to turn my life around and start to get into training. And he, just like I did, decided I'm going to do a, the LA Marathon. And he had maybe done a half marathon before that, but that was sort of year two for me, just to help take my guy Caleb across the finish line. And he's been an incredible um, training and running partner for me. He pushes me, and you know, in a lot of ways, he runs faster than I do. Third year was bringing uh, my friend Lucien who's a work friend of mine, across the finish line, and she trained the right way. So for me, LA Marathon is about fun, and it's about really taking it in. The course is incredible. If you don't know, it's stadium to see. So you start at Dodger Stadium, and you end in Santa Monica. And it's incredible to see the different personalities. You know, Los Angeles, one of the greatest cities in the world. I'll stand by that statement day after day. Um, 72 neighborhoods in search of a city, but the different personalities of the neighborhoods really come a lot because it takes you from Dodger Stadium, Chavez Ravine, to Chinatown, to Little Tokyo, to Downtown, to Filipino Town, to Echo Park, to Silver Lake, to East Hollywood, Hollywood, West Hollywood, Beverly Hills, Brentwood, Westwood. Uh, then it takes you to Brentwood and you take San Vicente all the way and you end in Santa Monica at the beach.
0: Wow, what a journey. That's, that's crazy. How fucking cool is that, though? That's right? super rad. Man.
1: Seeing how different you, when you start at Dodger Stadium at 7 a.m., you're going through all the different neighborhoods and ending at the beach. Pretty fucking cool.
0: I just want to say that what you just said, like, it's, I, I think people need to realize, like, LA is a city of many cities. So for you to like experience it like that is just so like unique and badass. It's a great way for people to come together.
1: There's like over 20,000 people that run the LA Marathon. And before I remember, even before I became a runner, I was like, fuck the LA Marathon. Traffic sucks. (laughs) They got all these road closures. For For sure. Why do they do this? You know, and times change, interests change. And it's incredible to see people of all different ages backgrounds, ethnicities, cultures, and a lot of the, I think, uh, ethos of each of the neighborhoods really come alive. You go to Chinatown, you have, you know, the Chinatown, Downtown Chinatown Association put on performances. You go into Little Tokyo, you've got them playing on taiko drums. You go into Filipino town, you know, there are cooking and and there's DJs. <laughs> the Filipino, of course there's DJs. Cook Filipino or DJ. DJ. There's probably some, some B-boying in there somewhere too. Hell yeah. right? You get to Hollywood and there's a whole bunch of rock bands. You get to West Hollywood and they're doing their thing. Um, uh, And and it's great. It's great. And what interesting thing about this is you actually ran the last two miles with me over the past two years.
0: Oh, that's right. That's when I was like, yo, this this LA Marathon thing is huge. Like I had no clue to be honest with you. It's huge, and I remember being upset at you because it was around mile twenty-four, and you're
1: like, "Come on, you need to run faster." I'm like, "I'm fucking dying," <laughs> and you're pushing me. But it was great to 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 have you. And and um, uh, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna do one race sometime in the future. Maybe oh, may not be goodness. a full, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it on Just Truck Radio right now that you're gonna be doing a race sometime very soon, whether you like it or not. And that
0: is re- reciprocity for me going on Iron Mountain, Strawberry Peak, Mount Baldy, multiple times. All with right, you. all right. Real, real funny moment. So I don't know if it was the first time or the second time where I ran the last two, three miles with you, but the funniest thing happened. So Mark is like, okay, at this area, you got to jump the fence because you can run with people and then just hop before the finish line. So I'll never forget this moment. So Mark is like, okay, you can get off on this side. So I'm like, all right, cool. As I hop the fence, this guy in the crowd yells at me and goes, what are you doing? don't ever give up. And I just looked back and I was like, oh my God, this guy probably thinks I'm the biggest like, like loser right now. But little did he know, I just ran <laughs> to support my friend. Like I couldn't believe someone said that to me. And it was just like the most ridiculous thing. When I told Mark that he was like, he couldn't stop laughing. I think you were like I'm, rolling on the floor. I'm dying. Yeah, literally don't give up. Don't, don't give, ever up. He give thought, up.
1: He thought you were around 24 miles, 25 miles. And you're almost done. You oh, just gave up. Goodness. No, no. Hell you're no. you're a bandit. That's what they call it, like marathon bandits, people who 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 don't do the entire thing and want to cross the finish line. But um Yeah, man, it's great if you're into running. I mean, definitely might, might – my perhaps probably what you're gonna ask next is what do you recommend? I recommend do not do what I do, which is real talk. Decide your first marathon is going to be 26.2 miles. Start with a 5k. Start with the 10k. Listen to your body. Take time to recover. Taper. Do things like that. And I've definitely paid the price for a lot of those mistakes. Thankfully, I'm my body's pretty good. But you know, you're not going to be young forever. You only have one body, um, and so you have to listen to it. So look up a plan. Put together a plan and stick to it. Don't be like me. Because if I were anyone else and or it could still happen, could could get injured and injuries change things. And you think you're invincible and you think you can do whatever you want on the mountain until some shit goes down. As Mike Tyson likes to put it, everyone's got a plan till you get punched in the face.
0: So true, man. Like, that's such a great point. Like whether you're for running or hiking, like you got to build yourself up in increments or else like what you just said. Because if you don't build yourself up and build up the strength and the cardio or whatever it is, and you get injured, like, man, that might just affect you for a long time when you shouldn't have even put yourself in that position. Uh, but yeah, I just want to say, man, super proud of you for doing the LA marathon three times, <laughs> especially that first time on two weeks notice that you're just cut from a different cloth. Like ever since the first time I met you over at the marketing agency, like you're just a badass, my brother.
1: I honestly didn't think it was a big deal. Oh, 26 miles. I just, I'll run, walk it, you know? But if you have a goal, if you have your mindset to it, do it. Just don't hurt yourself. You know your body best. And push yourself as, as much as you want to, but don't push to where you'll pass the point of no return. So biggest words of wisdom, if you want to do it, don't do what I did and do it the right way and learn from,
0: uh, from my bad decisions,
1: which hopefully turned out to be good decisions later on.
0: For sure. Thanks for sharing your experience with uh, the LA Marathon and all the stories with the hiking and everything. All right, man. So we're pretty much at the end of the episode. What? And you know what time it is. Hammer time. (laughs) No, that is not. (laughs) (laughs) It is the rapid fire question section. Can't touch this. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're ridiculous. So this section I'm always excited about. And there's two rounds. Round one is outdoor focus. And round two is more personal. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. You ready? Come at me. You ready, Rocksteady? Ready, rock, steady, spaghetti. Spaghetti. Let's get it.
1: Favorite trail snack? Mint Oreo. mint Thin mint Oreos. So specific.
0: (laughs) Favorite post-run meal? Fried chicken. For sure. Trail runners or hiking boots? Depends. Trail runners for their purpose.
1: Hiking boots also for their purpose. But... I remember first
0: time we did Baldy, I did those in fly knits. You're crazy. And our other friend did them in vans. Yeah, you're both crazy. I don't know. I I would have been miserable. Desert or deserted island? Neither. Dessert with two
1: S's. Like dessert as an ice cream.
0: (laughs) I like how you just change the answer (laughs) to the question. question. Waterfalls or lakes? Waterfalls. I think. Favorite place to trail run? Honestly, I mean here in LA, yeah. And uh, let's say LA, in LA, yeah.
1: yeah, man. Griffith is. I mean, stay stay as far as away uh, away as you can from Runyon, unless you want to be a part of the Instagram Olympics. That's but, so funny,
0: Instagram <laughs>
1: Olympics. <laughs> you know, there's so, so many cool things to see in Griffith, and it's right in our backyard. You can go from the observatory to the back of the Hollywood sign to the Wisdom Tree, and it's all just right there. You know. So I would say that. I'm, I'm sorry if that's too generic of an answer, but that's
0: what it is. Now, Griffith is an incredible place that I'm beginning to explore more and realize.
1: You know, one thing, though, look up the guy. Dave, is it David O. Griffith or Griffith Griffith? I think his name is. Um, interesting story about that specific park, one of the largest in L.A. But Mr. Griffith was not the greatest guy. And I'll leave it to you to Google that and see. He did some pretty fucked up shit.
0: Oh, I know what you're talking about, but we'll let the audience do their own research. Cool. All right. Ascending or descending? Descending. Way faster. Taco Tuesday or Waterfall Wednesday? Taco every day, son. Every damn day. (laughs) Rock scrambling or surfing loose scree? Rock steady. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Next question, please. All right. Music, artist you want to hike with? Oh, Pharrell. For sure. Pharrell? Yeah. Dope answer. I think. Dawn or dusk?
1: Mm, Dusk. Depends. Running in the morning? Just choose one. Dawn. Santa Monica Mountains or San Gabriel Mountains? San Gabriel Mountains. That shit is wild. And super low key if you don't know what's up.
0: Favorite hike in SoCal? Strawberry Peak that one time, man. That was- Yeah, Mountaineers route specifically. Yeah,
1: do that hike if you're listening.
0: National park you want to visit the most that you haven't already? Man, Yosemite, even though I've went there so many times, there's something
1: special about that place.
0: That's yeah, a magical
1: place. Yosemite, and seeing El Cap in real life and seeing that some dude did that free
0: oh, is like absolutely unreal. Unreal. What's wrong with that, dude? It's, 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 He's and, cut from in the best way. other cloth. Yeah, in the best way. What's your ideal outside temperature?
1: I can run in the heat, anything under 90 degrees. But I mean, to be honest, yeah, 70, 72. Great for running, great for hiking. With sunshine, of course.
0: Awesome. And one word, how do the mountains make you feel? Hungry. <laughs> great answer. Hungry
1: for food, hungry for more.
0: Hungry for what's next. Damn, there you go. All right, that concludes round one. We'll take like a 10-second break. I'm going to drink some water. and we'll jump into round two real quick how you feeling man you feel good
1: i'm about to ask you a whole bunch of rapid right fire i'm kidding you're, <laughs> you're, glad, gonna, glad, you're gonna flip the, you're gonna the, the flip it on you on
0: me all right you ready for round two go you ready rock steady let's get it. let's get it favorite comfort food
1: mm, filipino food burritos tacos Oh, cheeseburgers. For sure. Cheeseburgers, cheeseburgers. Right. I know that's basic AF, but bigger, for the record. Che- yeah, cheeseburgers. Favorite sure.
0: cartoon show growing up?
1: Mm, Rugrats was cool. Bobby's World was cool. Animaniacs was cool. I got a whole bunch, man.
0: Damn, all legendary shows. Favorite Halloween costume? <laughs> I oh, know this I one. Know.
1: <laughs> Google inflatable dinosaurs running down the street. I was one of them. Well, maybe not the one in the video, but I, I have that. And it was that, that that costume makes everything fun.
0: Best costume ever. Favorite emoji? Mm, all
1: of the food ones, for sure.
0: Damn, I guess we're all hungry right now, huh? <laughs> all right. Chicago or New York house music? Uh, what kind of question is that? All house music.
1: <laughs> Chicago or New York? That's the real question. Which one came first? You ask different people, you'll get different answers, but both of them. Both Chicago and New York, it's hard. That's like choosing your first child, man, or your favorite child. I feel you. I feel you. All right. Drumming or DJing? Depends. Drumming's great. I've obviously, I'm a jazz drummer. DJing is something that's cool because drumming, you can only kind of get so far by yourself, but DJing, you can get really far and take people on a journey, which is cool. So I guess DJing.
0: Favorite holiday?
1: New Year's. Next Uh, year, best year. Especially right now.
0: Especially right Ah, now. CDJs or turntables?
1: CDJs for electronic music, turntables for all things open format and hip-hop and scratching and all that fun stuff.
0: Favorite music artist right now, or who are you listening to the most at the moment? Mm, uh, Listening to a lot of a lot of
1: labels, a lot of shows. Our good friend Complexion out of the UK. Hell on yeah! The future B Tip uh, for the house music stuff. A lot of classic, classic music. Um, classic music is a label out of, I believe, the UK. It's Derek Carter and 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 one of his mates. Um, UK got
0: everything, man. Yeah, UK got got a lot of cool stuff. Do they have cool hiking? That I don't know. I should ask my friend actually. All right. Favorite um, superhero. Mm. Uh, Doctor Strange. Well, I did not expect that answer. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, I have. It's pretty badass. If you could be any animal, what would it be? A fucking shark. No. no of course. Shark Ficle. <laughs> All right. Here's the last one. Favorite sound. Vinyl. Great answer. Love it. Yeah, so right now we're at the end of the episode, Mark, and I want to turn the spotlight back to you. Um, Do you have any final words or any final thoughts that you would love to share with the audience? It could be about anything. It could be about what we're currently going through right now. Um, It could be about the outdoors. It could be about anything. Support Just Trek Radio. (laughs) (laughs) number one, number Number two. I love it. I love it. Number two, um,
1: go out there, get out there, take advantage. You know, the situation sucks, but there's some beauty in it, hopefully in that, you know, reconnecting with some old friends, getting outside. A lot of people see a lot of people getting on Strava, right?
0: True.
1: Hop on your bike, go for a run, take advantage of some of the empty, well, maybe not so much empty now, but just take advantage, take a moment to reflect. What's important to you? Think about that question. If you could do anything, you know you couldn't fail. That's the thing that we should all be fucking doing, you know? Um, and go out there and fight
0: for what you fucking believe in.
1: There's a, there's a lot of fucked up shit in our country right now, and that's not right. You know what I'm talking about.
0: It's all getting exposed, man. It's, it's such a intense time right now.
1: Don't be afraid. Don't struggle to accept our realities. Inspire the next generation. Be the next generation. Be everything. I don't know. Just go out there and fuck shit up in the best way. (laughs) There
0: you go. We're going to end on that. In the best way. For sure. For sure. Just Trek Radio. Out. Yo, Mark, first just wanted to say before we actually concluded, like, dude, so happy to have you finally on the podcast. You were definitely one of my top people when I first started and launched this during the quarantine. Consider you one of my closest friends. And you're just a badass person and an amazing human being. So just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to do this. Keep doing what you do. I hope you get to episode 100, 200, 500, and just keep getting better. I appreciate you, man. We should go eat now, though, for real. Fuck yeah, let's go. Let's do it. All right, peace out, everybody, and we're out. Thank you, gracias, and salamat for tuning in to the entire episode. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts iTunes. Follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are now streaming on many major platforms. If you want to send me a message about anything, you can email me at justin at justtrek.net or direct message me on Instagram at just.trek or my personal at justrock, J-U-S-T-R-O-C. You can even support the podcast by going to anchor.fm slash justtrek slash support. Lastly, you can discover our featured song of the show on our Instagram story.